hidden behind closed doors. This is Beer and Bee Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Michael, what are we discussing today? Today we're discussing 1974's The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, a.k.a. Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. So you know it's a B-movie. A.k.a. Don't Open the Window. <laughs> At At least least. three titles, so you know it's a B movie. Uh, Jason, what are we drinking? We are drinking Third Window Brewing Company's The Dark, Dark Lager. Cheers. And they sponsored us. They did. Oh, hold on. I was going to cheer you with the can. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Cheers. Cheers. If you're ever ever in a position to cheers, that's a good thing. Absolutely. I contacted them, and we were going up to Santa Barbara to visit. I wanted to go there. You can get some of their beer in this area, and I've loved everything I've had. And I contacted them and said, hey, we're going to be visiting. Would you want to sponsor an episode? They are like, sure. Santa Barbara's a cool little place just north of here. We always have fun going there. Uh, it's such a fun little spot. They've got food. The beer's fantastic. Uh, Jane drove back. <laughs> I tried a number of different beers, and it was just so much Research. fun. Absolutely. Always. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. It's, it's close enough that we made a trip of it, yeah. but it's far enough away. We don't go there regularly. So I was like, I got to make a count. So I was doing you know, a lot of small, small pours, but I was like, I want to make this one count. And it was great. I saw they were doing a dark lager. I love this style. We've had one on before, fittingly, from Mumford. Do you like it? I do. It's roasty. It's I roasty, just, I love fireplacey, uh, malty. What I love is these dark lagers. People look at it, and it's, it's dark, and they yeah. go, oh, it's going to be like big fillings. They're so drinkable. They are. And that roasty maltiness is really inviting. I love it. It was great with a burger. 5.4%, so you can knock down a couple of these. They're always super drinkable. Thank you, Third Window. Thank you very much. And it fits in with your movie choice because absolutely, man. dark. This is pretty dark. It's dark on a number of levels because you do have The Living Dead. Spoiler alert, going forward, we're going to be talking about this movie front to back. But it's dark because you do have The Living Dead, but why they're the dead are coming back is also dark because this is one of those 70s the 70s was rife with echo horror movies movies that have to do with the environment sort of coming back on us we're destroying the environment this is what can happen frogs Frogs. it's alive prophecy this is another one because they come back because there's a contraption it's really a combine. I grew up in the farming country in the Midwest, and it's a combine. And what's kind of interesting sometimes I've noticed is it seems like all the farm implements in Britain are just smaller versions because they don't have as much space. So they're not as big. So it's kind of funny you see this combine, and it's not as big as the ones you'd see. If I took you back, you'd be shocked at how big these things are. Anyway, it's this contraption that, that they use, and it looks like a metal detector, and it kills all the insects and parasites. At first, I think it's within a mile. So they got into a field and just waved this thing around and it kills all the insects. And then it through ultrasound radiation. Yes. And then it expands, getting a little ahead of myself. I love the opening. It's a great montage of starting the scene. So why did you choose this movie? Mm. And how did you come across it? Because I watched it a while ago because you had recommended it. I would say like a, a year ago you recommended this. Oh, no, this? that was... Or two years ago? Two to three years okay. ago. I came across it, I think it was just my Amazon, at the time, Amazon Prime Wanderings. No and longer on Prime or Tubi right now. You can watch it on YouTube. Yeah, that's where I watched it. But it was just a, an Amazon Prime thing. I saw The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. Catchy title. The poster is George, our main character, at the end when he turns. I just went, eh, I'm going to watch this. And I, and I thought, I mean, we both like zombie movies, let's yep. be honest. Yeah. So, and I, and, I, and I watched it and I said, this is a cool movie. It's a fun little movie. That's definitely on the list. And I told you to watch it. I think it was even before we were really doing the podcast yep. is when I suggested it. And when we started doing this, I went, this is definitely on there. It's something we both enjoyed. It's a B movie. It's a Spanish and Italian production set in England. Most of it's shot in Italy, but the opening montage and a few other sort of like just B-roll shots are in England and Manchester. Per IMDb, it was released under more than 15 different names internationally. And that's why when you search for it, all these different names come up for it. Going back to the beginning, we get our hero... 
<laughs> George you're away by question mark. Ray Lovelock. Great. Which, that's clearly not. He's great. Italian. That's clearly I not. Know, his, that's that's a great name. <laughs> Ray, Ray Lovelock. Lovelock. <laughs> he's it looks like he's in his business. He's, yeah. he's some sort of art dealer. Is what I, I think. We never really touch on it. It's not important. But he's picking up this little idol, this little statuette, and he leaves his business. And then it, it starts a little weird. Because he leaves, and then there are these green, I think the green circles? Yeah, it's a close-up. Like The Up. camera goes back into his shop, and you have this whirbling score, like something eerie is going on, leading you to believe that something in his shop is going to be related to this movie. It's not. No. It, it moves in on a painting with these green circles <laughs> superimposed over everything, and then slowly a dissolve of a gentleman. We find out he's the loony Guthrie. <laughs> <laughs> we see his face and then all of a sudden just the odd title living dead at manchester more yeah. just pops up out of nowhere it's really kind of cheesy yeah. and really amateur. probably not the original title screen for this i'm, I'm just throw in. i'm guessing yeah so then george we get the montage which is super cool giuliani sorgini did the music and this opening tune is like it's a really groovy tune it is george is riding his motorcycle through manchester the city is kind of death. It's killing people. The city, everybody's face is covered because of pollution. We're getting close-ups of exhaust pipes, trash strewn everywhere. People are just sort of like blankly going through their lives to the point that there's all of a sudden out of nowhere, and I'm not complaining, this attractive woman just disrobes and streaks, streaks nude right into the traffic. George notices. Nobody else. Is. So the city is this death. It is just killing, choking you. And George gets out into the country. He's heading out into the country where everything suddenly just pops green. Goes so far he has a scarf covering his face. When he gets out in the country, pulls it down because he can breathe. He's free. And that's a big contrast to me, the rural versus the city. And how the city and its polluting is killing the the world. And, you know, we mentioned those eco-horrors of the 70s. We had these sci-fi movies of the 50s and 60s B-movies where science would solve everything. Progress in the city and the future and modernity would solve everything. Yeah. And all of a sudden there's this huge switch where all of a sudden, no, 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 no. That's what's destroying everything. We have to get back to simplicity. And, and we get all these horror movies in the 70s that are like that, like frogs. Absolutely. <laughs> Which I'll keep mentioning. You will. You will. Movie. Squirm. Squirm. <laughs> yeah. Prophecy is the one with the mutant uh, bear. Yeah, it's alive. Mutant kid born. All because of our science. science. Is, is, yeah, science can't solve everything. In fact, I think there's a line that George makes where saying he goes, unscientific things happen all the time. <laughs> George, George is a curious fellow. You know, you, I go back and forth from kind of liking him to he's got the coolest outfit. And he's, he's, a, just, he's a, I mean, he's a good looking guy. He's, like, a, he's a handsome, he's a handsome, oh, he is a yeah. handsome fellow. They dress him great. He's got this groovy coat. So he seems like the hero because you, you have these, but he's a total things. jerk. He's a, wanker. he's a jerk. He stops at a gas station, right? He tells the guy top it off. And then this woman, she backs into his, his motorcycle, the petrol owner, I'm going to use English terms. The petrol station owner says, I'll have oh, a fix that guy. <laughs> fixed by Monday. And it's funny, it's very English European. There is no argument or fighting between George and Edna, the woman backs in him. He, they just kind of finally accept it. But then George is like, I have to make it to my friend's house, my house. We're never too sure. First, he's just going to this house, then he's late to get there. Then he's helping his friends fix up yeah. this house. It's really. It's but anyways, a, he's ha- he has to get there, so he just. Assumes, but she's got to be in Windermere. Yeah, and he just assumes he has to be in Windermere. He has to be in Windermere. She has, she has to be, to be in Southgate. Southgate. So they're uh, both late, and, and I gotta tell you, Jason, he just jumps in the car with her and assumes and takes her smoke. Yeah, and I love he drives because immediately at that moment, I I do understand she just trashes bike, and the guy's like, it ain't gonna be ready till Monday. He's a little bit of that rude city guy because he tells the guy, he's not like, hey, man, thank you. He's sort of rude to the guy and is like, don't mess me around. He automatically assumes this guy's going to try to rip him off or something. But it's such but, a strange thing to, like, you get in an accident with someone, you're like, hey, your car's still working, so now you're going to be obligated to drive me. Call a friend. 
you know this is true you you make a, you make a point but you're right he automatically he gets in and drives because he's a man yes we very much the men are kind of running things in this in this one yeah so but then she lights a cigarette and he just reaches takes it from her and from that point they become like this old cranky couple it changes They're arguing so fast. it's like We're they've like, known each other way too long if you know what i'm saying his relationship with edna ends to his downfall there's outs constantly through this movie where you're like you know what george if you had some brains in no sense is there any romantic relationship between the two of them. you're right it's like an old couple where they're just used to each other after all these years because immediately they're connected and close almost, and you're like why almost like he, strangers yeah and it's almost like he sees her as she is clueless she's never gonna make it without me because she is very meek she is not a very strongly drawn up character. Edna is not. You just have to point out, she played Teresa in the house that screamed episode 10. I think she stopped acting. I think she ended her career. I think she, she, she's lovely. She is. But um, you're right. She's not a strong character at, at all. She doesn't progress the plot. No. And it's not her all. fault. No. It's, you know, there's only so much you can do when they're making you sort of just scream and look weak constantly. But there's a great moment when they're listening to the radio. The, the announcer's talking about ecological problems are exaggerated. And George gets all like, he's from the city, so he's smarter than everyone. Of course. And he just kind of scoffs, and he's like, when everything goes tits up, as yeah. the English would say, it's going to be the scientists are going to be the only ones around. The environmental thing is pushed from the beginning throughout. You constantly see him as a city person in this rural community, because right then you see one of the few references to Manchester. There is a Manchester morgue truck in front of them, and he aggressively moves around the truck and there's no one else out the road <laughs> no you're right but at the same time the truck is hogging the road and when he tries to pass it sort of is doing that thing where i'm going to keep in front of you yeah. like the dude mo- makes no effort to move over to the side to give him so i i'm with you he was aggressive and cranky and driving like a quote-unquote city person but the truck was being a jerk as well then we get to the crossroads, which yeah. a crossroads is always an interesting thing because Southgate's this way, Windermere's this way, and she's saying, no, no, I have to go because we, we, she mentions a sister. She's like, I have to see my sister. And he goes, I have to be here to fix up this house. That's when he, we find out now he's fixing up a house. And she goes, here's the deal. Again, this is a little odd. Things yeah. are different, different country, different time. She goes, well, how about this? You drop me off. Take my car. Sure. And that's, that's not how good. things used to work. You know, borrow people's cars. That's <laughs> not good enough for him. I mean, really, he could have just done that and yeah. it'd be over. But he's just a... I don't get him. No, I don't get his motivation to stay in this game of movie. Because the same thing, like, he could have argued, you drop me off. You cause an accident. It doesn't seem that Windermere and Southgate are that far from each other. Make a choice. One of you drop each other off and get out of it. She doesn't even know how to get to her sister's place. She's driving to begin with, and she has no really, just a general idea. It's by a stream. Yeah. (laughs) When they're on this way, they pass a cemetery. Ominous cemetery. Yes, because we get our first, there is a a certain sound. It's a, a heartbeat and this sort of heavy labored breathing that announces the zombies so they pass this cemetery and we hear that sound for the first time going forward when you hear that that means zombies are afoot and they hit a dead end (laughs) and that's when she says something along the lines of well i do remember a stream and he's all grumbly he's like it's a it ends the road ends and he's all cranky he's just angry so he says i'm gonna walk up this lane to find out what's going on and in your situation if if you were that person who've never been here before wouldn't you have left it to the person whose sister is there he constantly takes charge of the situation even though he doesn't need to his best foot forward would actually be going in the opposite direction. <laughs> Jason, you're right, but also I think we're dealing with sort of these antiquated or old-fashioned ideas. You know, a man isn't going to say, you, lady, you walk up that lane and find out where we need to go. Like, that wouldn't be manly. I just kind of was sort of curious why he didn't take her. He took the keys. Like, he doesn't trust her, clearly, so why let her out of your sight? Well, you know, as we've learned in some other podcasts, women have a hard time traipsing through forest area for a long period without fainting. Exactly. This is (laughs) a good point. (laughs) 
So that's when he goes up and finds the combine. He wants to get some directions, but he's just telling these guys off. This thing should go back. Send it back. I would t- send that back where it's from. You don't need the city out here. Telling them off. They immediately peg him as a, a city guy. I love those two scientists and their Ooh. white lab outfits. They're awesome. <laughs> they are the best because <laughs> they do. It's this weird space age metal detector. They're just waving over the grass. And meanwhile, Edna is down at the, at the car. She gets out to walk around. And we get a slow close-up towards the stream, and we hear a heartbeat, heavy breathing. breathing. POV shot on her from... And then it's the classic Night of the Living Dead, where here comes a zombie. This is what they call him. It's that old loony Guthrie. But he's walking along. She sees him. He turns, starts coming for her. She freaks, gets into the car, and he's reaching in the car trying to get her. So she gets out of the car, falls in the stream, is running. George is coming back with this farmer who's going to show him that farmer gave very rural directions like well if you go up that hill and you pass that that second large rock with the third tree rural directions yeah. given the old rural directions and george not very polite he's not polite ever not a single person in this movie is he polite to. he doesn't say you know excuse me i'm used to streets yeah. stoplights yeah. He, he goes ah i'm not stoplights yeah. do that again buddy i'm used to traffic lights yeah you know, he's... oh you're, so you're from the city <laughs> Exactly, that's what the farmer says. He's like, you know, I could tell pretty much by the... There's not young fellows who are dressed like you in this area. And I look at his dress, and I'm like, okay, he's wearing, like, jeans... Black blue, jeans, blue button-up shirt that's buttoned, and he has like a leather that jacket. That cool on. coat. The coat's yeah. super cool. And, and then he's got a hat. It is. It is a little more urban. Definitely. He does stand out because everybody's kind of wearing got, tweed. Exactly. <laughs> so they're they're walking down the lane, and she's screaming, yelling for him. Starts describing this dude that attacked her, and George looks, and they don't see a guy, so he just thinks she's nuts and treats her as such. And meanwhile, the farmer, when she describes him, he goes. That sounds like that old Looney Guthrie used to be down there, used to live down around there, and then he drowned himself. And then she says, he was reaching in the car trying to get me, and the guy goes, he goes, ah, that old Looney Guthrie used to do that. Like they had this homeless tramp living in their neighborhood, and he, he was known for like reaching into cars and trying to grab people, and they were totally, and I was like, that's just, oh, that's him. What the hell? It's funny because, of course, for the time period, no one ever uses the term homeless time. They use the term tramp, which is yeah. that hobo, that yeah. vagabond. I mean, it's one thing to have a guy go, ah, he's, you know, he's a tramp. He just lives out there. But, I mean, when it comes to the point that he's, like, assaulting people and, like, reaching in their cars, grabbing them, but they, you don't laugh that off. You go out and you, you, you talk to that old Looney Guthrie. <laughs> he said, what's what? And stop, and- stop trying to grab our, our women. This is six years after Romero's Night of the Living Dead. That scene looks exactly like one of the first scenes in Night of the Living Dead at the cemetery. They were not making any bones about it that they were trying to make. make Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because there's that, but then later in the movie, one of the guys gets killed. They rip him open. It is a lot like Day of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's a guy who gets ripped yeah. open at the end. It's very He dies that way, so it's sort of... It rips off Night of the Living Dead, but it sort of precurses Day of the Dead. We're going to go to Katie and Martin. Martin is Edna's brother-in-law, and he's sort of worthless. <laughs> well, you, the scene's strange because you don't understand what's going on at this point. I mean, he's a photographer. There is a lot of weirdness going on there. I mean, she's a heroin addict. He's going out to do some shots at night, and he hears something thing over in this little barn, and he investigates. And in your head, first time you see it, you're thinking, oh, zombie. But he goes in, and his wife is in there, and she looks a little worse for wear. Find out she's a heroin addict. Like, all of a sudden... They're dealing with heroin addiction in this movie for some reason. And she's just got this little bowl of strawberries and because and, he thinks she's trying to sneak some drugs. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm going, why would you have drugs around? If your wife's a drug addict and you're keeping her out here to keep her away from drugs, why do you have drugs around? He's kept her up there a year, a year. to get her clean. Yep. And I'm thinking, they're so far removed from everywhere because she does have a stash that's yeah. apparently easily findable by everybody. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Except for the husband. Yeah. So she she, she has, I love it because she has strawberries. She got like three strawberries. She goes, I was going to make a pie for my sister's arrival. And I mean, I've, I've made some pies. <laughs> you need more than that little dish of strawberries. You know, I don't care how much sugar you're adding. You need more than that. It's just a sugar pie. With so, you know, she's kind of giving him a little like, you know. this. She was in there for drugs. Yeah, 
And, but she tells him, you know, my sister's right. coming. And, and he's like, I'm going to go take these pictures now. So he books it. George and Edna have kind of their <laughs> first real fight. Because they're still driving. And I'm thinking, they're driving for a while. So that first dead end, <laughs> clearly Edna took George in the wrong direction. Because they still drive that night to get to this place. And I'm telling you, if you've been in like rural areas, night makes it harder there's no street lights <laughs> there's no lights all the lanes are kind of the same it's like you better know what you're doing and then because he, it's easy to get lost and george is kind of douchey and he of course since he's city educated and elite he he quotes shakespeare and basically insinuated that she made everything up that there's no dead guy that she's just a little crazy which is just what people like to hear Hey, something traumatic happened to me. Oh, you're just crazy. They wrote a weak female character. And so we flash over to Martin and, of course, out in his nighttime photography. Zombie attack number two, but a successful one at this time. Katie discovers the the loony, the loony Guthrie. She's out trying to get some smack again. And she hears something and she goes and sees water. Wherever this guy goes, he just trails water. He's like a snail. (laughs) And she goes in, and old Guthrie went into this room, and he hid himself behind a raft. That's the thing. These zombies, they're thinking. They're it's different thi- from other zombie yes, movies. Yes, they're a thinking zombie. They have strength beyond a regular person. It's very interesting how they treat these zombies. But anyway, she, old Guthrie reveals himself. She goes, ah, runs as you would with creepy old tramp trying to grab you. Gets away. He chases her out. Martin's taking his pictures. Proves himself to be pretty worthless because he gets pretty manhandled by Guth- old Guthrie. Guthrie's been dead for a week. He drowned in that river. Mm-hmm. We know that Guthrie was taken to Southgate Hospital, was taken and put in a casket, and brought to the Southgate Cemetery. Unless he's going back and deciding, you know what, I'm going to live as a zombie just like I live the human. I'm going to go live on the riverbank. Why is he soaking wet all the time? It's been like a week. He would have dried out. They would they change your clothes. Anyway. I don't know. I I got nothing. I mean, I got nothing clever. I got nothing silly. And I was going to say, do you think it's because at Night of the Living Dead came out in 68 and it established kind of the modern zombie trope, but it was only the first movie and there was not a lot of movies that followed like in quick succession because this movie does treat zombies very differently. It is only recently dead who are able to revive. They're super strong, and yeah. they think. Again, I think this is, it's not as much about zombies as it is our environment. This is sort of nature's way of going, hey, what's killing us? People. We're going to use these to get back at you. Like that wonderful Nature's Revenge. Shyamalan movie, The Happy. This is a much better... <laughs> version of that i was, I was I not agree. i was not a fan of that movie but that's my take yep. is that this isn't so much george romero you know whatever themes you draw yeah. from his living dead to me this one is about the environment taking its revenge lashing out at what i but, see that in the rural versus city divide they do see that martin's dead he's been mauled yeah his chest cavity's been crushed in and this is when we meet our favorite character arthur kennedy Known American actors at this time. I mean, this is at the end of five-time Academy Award nominee. Yes, and I always remember him because he played in Elmer Gantry's that Burt Lancaster movie. He played the reporter Jeffrey Jeffers. He's great. He's uh, awesome. He, he's got he's got an interesting accent because he's American, but he is it Irish. I is it Welsh. I don't know. It's an American just coming up with something. I don't know. He represents authority. And he represents what George sees as wrong with society. And immediately, those two are at loggerheads. Oil and water do not get along. Because the inspector is going, well, Katie killed her husband. Edna and Katie are telling the same dude, describing the same guy. And and he's just not having it. He's really great because he's he's supremely intolerant of the youth. And he's intolerant of city folk. He's just an intolerant old man. <laughs> and he's a rule follower. His first line is that it's a sadist. And then he sees a PC or patrolman and he's like, button up, man. I, I'm not going to do his accent, but it's great if I could. Button up, man. You're wearing a uniform, not pajamas. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's great. And, and he barks everything at people. Yeah, I can't imagine. Him and George are like that way. Exactly. They're, and that's the thing. I, I think in some ways they're more alike. Like if you said that to him, they'd fight you. 
But if you went, you know, you guys actually have a lot in common. It could be father and son, almost. Like the two, the father and son that are always fighting and, and the mom's going, you two are just alike. And they're like, you shut up. That's what these two guys are like. The inspector is interrogating Katie and, and Edna because he, I heard there is some bad blood between you and your husband. It was a terrible attempt at a terrible accident. I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, he goes over and a bunch of Martin, these are weird. Martin has a bunch of pictures of Katie like in a tub. And then she's out of the tub, cowering, trying to like cover, like don't take a picture of me, cowering in a corner, completely nude. And the, the inspector is looking at it with this big magnifying glass as he's talking to the ladies. What's funny about that too is you realize one of the full nude scenes is blown up twice as giant posters on the wall right behind him. <laughs> it sort of calls into question, what the hell is Martin up to? Yeah, exactly. Like, are you trying to help your wife kick an awful habit? I mean, it's a terrible thing, that kind of addiction. But at the same time, he seems to be doing some messed up things. So the inspector sees these things as like degenerate, and then he finds some heroin. He's doing his old-timey police work. He's like, ah, drugs degenerate pornography know what you killed your husband because he you knew he was going to put you in a clinic and george comes in at the time and once again he just wants to interrupt and say listen (laughs) i'm just not involved and i think it's the first time he's making this case he's like i'm not involved here why are you holding me because he 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 feels he's got this aha moment and it's pretty much i was supposed to meet my friends So that proves I couldn't have done. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the and the inspector's just manhandling him, grabs him by the lapels and just, shakes him, <laughs> just having nothing to do with it. And this is one of our favorite. We both came to this because the the inspector doesn't. He basically tells them, "You can't stay here. You can't go to your friends. You have to go get a hotel." He's a silent partner in a lot of hotel chains. I would go, you're paying for it, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm not paying for it. I'm not paying for a hotel. I've got a place to stay. It was just something I think we both thought was kind of funny that he orders them to go go to the local hotel. So they go and it's it's the old owl inn, and we're thinking, ooh, you know, maybe the owl because they actually have a live owl. So I focus on the side. So I I went and I looked it up, and owls are symbols of wisdom. There's not a lot of wisdom in this movie. I think they just had a trained owl and they said, let's use it. And this is an example where we discuss George's character receives so anti-authority and yet more often than not when authority tells them to do something and because they can literally just drive away what's stopping from it's like you know i'm not gonna stop at the Southgate. i'm just gonna drive straight to windermere but they go in they do steal that film that martin was yeah they, oh they pull a nice sneak they sneak because that cop is like craig <laughs> craig <laughs> she tries to bum a light <laughs> and he said oh i quit smoking when i was smoking i was thin now that I quit, he pats his tummy like... Worst story ever. Oh, it's... He has no social skills. But anyways, <laughs> the, the, the point is that George follows instructions. He goes down to Southgate and he gets a hotel room. My personal opinion is I think part part of it at least, and I might be reading too much into it, he's bound and determined, I'm going to prove that inspector. I'm going to rub his nose in it. I'm right. He's wrong. I'm going to stick around just to show him how wrong he is. It's also, it just keeps the plot moving. It keeps moving. the plot moving. But his that's a major character flaw because it's there, it's the inspector and George's escalating battle of wits that leads ultimately to both of their demise. I'll tell you what else is escalating a little bit. No, as it warms a little bit, the flavor on this this dark lager gets, it gets a little roastier as it comes a little bit warmer. Third window, well done. Their little symbol with the... Three windows there. Brewed with heirloom Pilsner malt, Munich malt, midnight wheat, and thyme. I gotta be honest, just reading that makes me want to drink it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> heirloom Pilsner malt, Munich malt, midnight wheat. Heck Cultivation yeah. Cultivation purity. Good stuff. You can find some of their stuff around here. I found it in a few places, but when you go there, they've got a ton of stuff. Nice. And, and like I said, the sour stout that made us go up there was only on tap. And I did inquire. <laughs> I said, uh, any chance he'd put that in a crowler? Because I thought I'd get a crowler. That might be fun to bring back. And he just kind of laughed. <laughs> and, and I went, yeah, you never know. Yeah. I, you don't know, have to ask. No, that's the thing. It's not like you go up and ask, hey, would you put this in a crowler? And they go, you need to leave now. Exactly. That's never going to happen. Exactly. The worst thing that happens is they kind of laugh and they say no. And I go, yeah, I didn't think so. but I." And then I just told friends. I said, this is amazing. I can't bring any back. Your loss, my gain. 
I win. <laughs> so, you know, maybe if George and the inspector would sat down and have a drink together, they could talk out their differences. I'm with you to a point, but they're also, they're such like angry people. They are. That I feel like drink is not going to mellow that. It would probably magnify it. So there you go. They steal that, the that film. Martin was taking, because hopefully they're going to see a picture of Guthrie or the attack on there that basically would prove George's story and Edna's story and Katie's story. Which is great because it, it actually works the opposite because when they're looking at the pictures and George goes, oh, oh. good thing he doesn't see this one. <laughs> exactly. Really looks like she wants to do him in. No. <laughs> Sorry. I just... No, because that's a perfect scene. But I have to point out, like, George, when they check in the hotel, it's another example of this city versus rural where he is in no way nice to the proprietor of the hotel. Now, she has an issue where she thinks that they might not be married and trying to get a room together. This isn't that kind of place? Yeah. <laughs> it's a respectable place. Yes. Times have changed. <laughs> Very much. But no, and he does. He says something along the lines of, I, you know, I intend to be here. At, you know as, the line. As back. little as possible. <laughs> I mean, even if that's how you feel, that's a rude thing to say to somebody. Being from the flyover states, you get used to people kind of crapping on where you're from. And you go, you've never even been there. It kind of hit me a little even more because I just thought, you know, you're just a jerk. But he has to call his friends. And this is a pivotal point because he goes and calls his friends. The receptionist says, are you those people from, you know, that's involved? <laughs> the, the murder. The murder. She has a message for Edna. Timing-wise, it's strange because they had just left the crime scene. I'm guessing and 15 she wanted, minutes tops. She wanted to stay with her, her sister Katie, probably because her Kate, her sister is going through withdrawals and her husband is just killed. And they said no. The message basically says, your sister had a complete breakdown, so we had to bring her to Southgate Hospital. Edna goes and interrupts George's phone call, banging on the door. <laughs> and she says, I need your help. What help does she need from George? The car is hers. Yeah. This town looks like it's probably one square block. She doesn't need directions to the hospital. What does she need from George? And why does George think, yes, she needs my help? Because he could have, at that point, got all his friends like, listen, just come down here from Windermere. Pick me up. Yeah. I'm done with this nonsense here. This lady, yeah, this, this, this has been nothing but a bad trip so far. I'm done. She needs his help because most likely... He has the keys. <laughs> I mean, seriously. She sort of has given him license to sort of dictate things because she's allowed him to just move in, take her smokes, take over her life. I don't like it because it is. It is just very, like, such a terrible way to depict a person and a female. I mean, when you see throughout this movie, she's pretty helpless. She is. And I don't understand because when you first meet her, you have to assume that she got she, halfway on her journey by herself in her yeah. own car. Who was the previous George? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is like one of the last pivotal points because here everything starts just cascading where he's like all in now. <laughs> and, and, I, and I will say this, Jason, you described it, you know, such a tiny little hamlet with a pretty large hospital. <laughs> Because we go there. Gothic giant. It's this huge hospital, we see, and we cut to it, and there it is. Then we get the heartbeat again. Great heartbeat and the great shot at that point where they you watch them pull up and get out, but then the camera slowly pans and you see men in white basically loading a morgue car slowly. Yeah, with these futuristic looking caskets. I wasn't. I was trying to figure that out. The doctor threw in a line. They're not meant to be buried in. They're they're refrigeration caskets because. He says they don't conduct autopsies, biopsies, or anything at this hospital. Everything has to be refrigerated and sent down to Manchester. Which doesn't make sense because later on when the hospital's attacked, there's a guy who clearly has autopsies. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what those things are. They refrigerate the bodies because he said that, you know. I miss, okay, yeah. I miss that. And Several times watching. by the doctor yeah. and I'm like, well, they're just making this more complicated than I, Well, because be. I kept looking. Because it was at, odd. Yeah, this first time I was like, what I, is I going on Those here? caskets, I, again. And bringing in zombies? I've never <laughs> seen a casket like that. And I brought this up before. I grew up working at a cemetery. Yeah. So and I'm, I'm like, no. Yeah, that's I don't know what the hell that is. You're making crap up. So, but this is great because all of a sudden George gets brought in. He's like a he's like a nurse practitioner all of a sudden in this role. <laughs> you know what the f was going on there? Because there's this terrible emergency. They have to go down, and this woman comes out. I think her eye was ripped out. Yeah. 
So I was just nurse with was like, <laughs> and the doctor goes, Hey George, can you help me? Yeah. And they go in, yeah, it was. Like a newborn baby had ripped this woman's eye out, and the doctor's going, "Man, this is the like third one this week. We got these psycho babies being born, and it like bites George. It doesn't have teeth. No. It still hurt him. I don't know if it drew blood. And the doctor's like, "It's not a virus. I don't. We don't know what the hell it is. It's just it comes from this one location in South. And George is starting to put things together. He's not. He's still not." trusting that weird contraption out there and he tells the doctor interesting that you say it's from that area because i saw the agricultural department out there with this new type of sciencey thing and the doctor says like could you show me that location excuse me (laughs) he does he's kind of like peter cush like this is the guy you call in like peter cushing and three other people turn you down. That's because he looks like Peter Cushing. He a does. Poor man's Peter Cushing. Yeah, it's a, it's they, you go place a call to Peter Cushing just and and, yeah. and they go no, I'm shooting something with Christopher Lee right yeah. now. And they go ah, we tried. Yeah. Call, call up that dude. Call up your uncle. I do find it funny that the doctor. There's other staff in that hospital. He just keeps looking at George. He's like, hey, can you help me here? And I'm like, George isn't trained on anything. And number one. George is just lurking, like, and then leaves to go and see Katie while they're at the hospital. That's why they went to the hospital. George just takes upon himself, you know what? I'm just going to snoop around, see what's what, because I love going to hospitals and just walking around, I checking just, in rooms, looking in caskets. Yep, I just peek. That's what I do is I sneak and I peek. But if it says don't enter, yeah. I'm entering. It says nursery. I'm like, I'm going to go there. Why not? There's like alarm going on. Babies are cute. They're fun. He takes the doctor out to the place where the dudes are in the same field and they just love their job. They love Th- it. Those dudes are just, they love it. They're just like, hey, you go, you're the guy that's been booking us all week. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And he's like, why don't you go find some atoll in the Pacific? And, and George is like, yeah, then I have to worry about Fallout. Or Godzilla. <laughs> Great is this radiation. It makes the insects go mad and attack each other. Like, what type of science is that? <laughs> I mean, and not just that, but who said... This is let's apply this. Yeah. Let's apply this to the entire planet. Seems like a good idea that we're just going to have all the insects and parasites kill each other. If you see if I learn anything from movies like Swarm, Empire of the Ants, Phase 4, you don't want to mess with insects. No. No. They they've Bam. got they've got ways. So they get the photos back and this is when they they are they're looking through them and that's when the inspector shows up. Oh, he knew he knew. He knew. How could he not know? In a small town like that, the guy who was developing the film probably said, just to let you know, I got some long hair in here from the city. City. Is developing city film. <laughs> and it's a woman who looks like a psycho. And I think it was that murder, because everybody knows about the murder. Yeah. The inspectors, he just gets really kind of nasty. This is one of the lines from the film that stands out. The inspector was going to write a book, memorable quotes from the inspector. This would be one of them. It's kind of funny because the developer guy, at first, he, they're talking about old Guthrie, and, and he goes, oh, yeah, everybody knows that loony. And he's like, I don't have any pictures, but then he remembers there's a picture on this old paper, and he goes, yeah, you remember this? Here's that loony Guthrie, and shows it, and of course, it's the guy, and Edna goes, oh, that's him. That's, that's, that's him. the dude that tried to attack me. And George decides there's only one way to solve this, to prove to Edna that she, basically, he's going to try to prove to Edna that she's crazy. And you don't know where he's going to go. We're going to solve this issue now. So they jump in the Cooper. Of course, he's driving. And they speed off. And Inspector sees. And he sends his man, Craig, to follow them. And they, Craig's a good guy. Craig's like, well, he, you know, he deserves what he deserves. <laughs> <laughs> You're horrible. He can't tell a story worth the salt. So <laughs> no people skills. <laughs> but, I mean, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He tries his he best. He means well. He does. So here's what George's plan is. I'm going to take you back to that cemetery and show you Guthrie's casket. Is Because they didn't bury Guthrie because no one had any money. So you're We're th- going to go defile a corpse. <laughs> yeah. That's his plan. And I'm thinking, well, that seems extreme. <laughs> well, it does. And, and boy, you found that place pretty easy. I mean, you did drive by it, but you didn't know what you are driving exactly. by. But, but without asking for instructions, you, you, you got right there. This is the first truly big zombie attack. And he does do, he, he like peeks at other stuff too. He's like, he's like, oh, look at you, love. You know, yeah. he's, like, he's like looking at other caskets. He's being disrespectful. Yeah, he opens them all and he's like, and then, body, oh, oh snap, Guthrie's is empty. And it's really interesting, Jason, because why is, is Guthrie like stalking them? 
Why is Guthrie back there? He was way over here at one point, and then he's like way over here. So like moving on, but then he somehow he ends up back here. So not only does the agricultural oscilloscope sound start pounding again, but why does it only impact Guthrie? Because in this scene, you learn something else. Guthrie shows up. They're in the cellar of this church where George had just unopened two other, was it two or three other caskets? There's the old woman. There's the man with a bunch of stuff and jammed up his snoot. Guthrie actually has to go and touch the, because he had killed someone who was probably that, living there. And he had to touch the blood. Because when they show up. And touch the eyes to wake these other zombies up. It's not the, the machine that's waking them up. I know. <laughs> when they first show up, they look in a room and there's food on a table. Yeah. But there's no one there. The caretaker. And, and then when they find they find the caretaker dead up in this little spot, and that's the blood. He goes, takes the blood. And this gets really weird. But yeah, he puts the blood on their eyes. Then they wake up. And it should be the machine is what's supposed to. It, it impacts the nervous system. Yeah. Because that's what got him it, up. That's just so confusing to it me. It was really confusing at this point. But basically, you have a zombie. Like, you have a four you zombie got, You got now. trees. So they climb up. Like, George sees a, a little bit of an opening, like a hole knocked in a wall. But it's up in this crawl space. They go up a ladder. Do not kick the ladder down, <laughs> which would have saved a lot of hassle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because there are a lot of things, but they're, you know, they don't seem to be able to you know, do this. But anyway, they're up there. He's trying to bash the hole bigger so they can get out. And Guthrie and these other two are trying to grab blah, blah. Kind of goes on for a bit. They come up. He knocks them down. Again, doesn't think, I should knock the ladder down. Stop make, them from getting up to me. Make it a little harder <laughs> for them. You know, I'm setting them up for success is what I'm doing. <laughs> so he finally gets Edna out. And it's strange because was that hole intended to go out towards a grave that was being dug? Is that how you would have? I mean, it seemed odd that no, it, they because there's that pipe to like a like yeah. There's a pipe. I think there was some sort of plumbing. They there. I think they were going to maybe install a bathroom in that basement. <laughs> they're doing a remodel. <laughs> they do. <doing> caretaker. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's not a grave. Like, I want one of these new showers. <laughs> See, new fangled. That loony Guthrie could use a shower these days. I don't days. want a loo anymore. I want a full working bathroom. Edna gets out, but she ends out at the bottom of the grave, and it just happens. She's in that hole. Which is, it's a grave. It's a dead grave. I don't know if that's a grave. It was, it was right next to the building. But it looks like it's a But like isn't there a, a pipe? Grave. There's a pipe coming out, though. I don't know. It looks like they a... were putting, like, that was where they buried one of the people. Okay. Anyways. Craig shows Craig's, up. PC Craig shows up. PC Craig. <laughs> Is that what they call them in England? No. PCs in front of their name for the police? And he pulls her out. And then... And um, loses his... his he's like the he, worst. I mean, that's why, like, he's like... I mean, that's what it's... He's I'm like, Craig! Well, <laughs> the lazy guy. But No, but you're, you're absolutely right, Jason. And it's like, that's why Craig... Is not going to elevate. He's no. where he is is as high as he's going. I mean, literally because he dies. Yeah. But he's not going to be jumping up the ladder because he does things like drop his radio. Yeah. This is the part that just annoys me so much because George ends up getting out, and there he is, Craig, Edna, George. They turn, they see the three, I think three zombies, and George goes, "Ah, we got to go back inside." One thing we know, they might have the super strength. They can think. They can't run. No. And they're pulling headstones out. Yeah. Like, with, by themselves. And like, you, that's a good time. You don't go inside. You run. You run. You've got two cars. You go to the cars. You get in because I haven't seen them drive, so I can yeah. assume maybe they don't drive. They go back into the chapel. One of the zombies pulls a gravestone up by itself. Those things are effing heavy. They're acting as if they have a plan. <laughs> they do. Because one of one of the things is a cross. They yeah. use as a battering yeah. ram, which comes in handy later when that psychologist yeah. whatever guy he's like oh these are satanists yeah because they see a broken cross <laughs> defiled bodies they're up to their necks in it and that's when craig goes you know there's my radio it's like god you suck you left your radio out there and the inspector's trying to call him and he's just talking trash about craig yeah. he's like that lazy bastard you know it's, it's like, his radio? And, he's not an apple man and this craig. <laughs> i'm mad about apples <laughs> Craig, I mean, to his credit, this made me feel bad for the guy because he, he goes to George and he says, I'm going to go get my radio. And he's like, he's like, hey, if I, if I do this, maybe you'll think better of us cops. He wants to like, he wants everyone to get along. He wants people to get along. I feel bad. So he goes out and fails. Yeah. 
it's, it's a, it is an epic fail. They, they, that, that dummy throws a headstone at him. It totally does. Messes up his leg. He's trying to call him to the specter, and they get him, and they rip him up. A, a very his... graphic scene, which I was surprised. That was some great special effects, and it was more graphic than Night of the Living Dead. It was more oh. graphic of children shouldn't play with dead things, which is another zombie movie that we covered. Yes. Um, and that, that was like, whoa, that was a little... Because everything else you see, like, typical Hammer 1970s horror, which is blood dripping. No, like, this was the special effects guy. He's been going, I've got a great idea. Will yeah. you let me use it? And they finally they go, all right, dude, today... Yeah. And then they probably say, like, holy moly, that's and, not what I... Cheese like, and crackers! <laughs> we're going to lose that PG rating, bud! Yeah. Where was your mind on this? Yeah. <laughs> And there is, there's a moment, and it's like, apparently it was never shot, but there was always a story. The there's the old lady zombie reaches down to Cra- towards Craig's eye, yeah. but allegedly there was supposed to be like footage of her eating the eye after that, but apparently they never did yeah. shoot it. But anyway, it is, it's pretty graphic. Yeah. Poor Craig gets his. This is when George kind of, boop, doink, figures out maybe try fire, because they go, now that we ate Craig, we're going to go get those other two. And, of course, they come in, and George makes a little torch. Burns them all. Oh, my God, they don't like fire. He sets them on fire, and and he bails. Edna and George now, they've killed the zombies. They basically have a plan. Edna, you'll get the police using your Mini mini Cooper, and... He's going to take the cop car, and and he's going to go destroy the machine. Destroy the machine. Now, here's a wonderful piece of how things used to live. The assumption, and I've never assumed this, but when you go back and watch movies in the 60s, 70s, you see people leave their keys in their car. George gets in the cop car expecting the keys to be in the ignition. I would never, ever in my wildest dreams assume any car has their keys just sitting in there. I would be suspicious of that car. <laughs> I, I, I really would. If I was, if for whatever reason I saw a car, just a rando car, and it had a key in it, i go, there's got to be a so bomb. Once that car stolen. Yeah. He's left. What's funny is that it's a, he still gets there pretty quickly. So I guess the car wasn't that important. A lot of quick jump scenes from the rest of the movie as they're trying to build tension. Yes. The scenes last far shorter and there's far more of them as they're building up to the big climax after this major zombie attack. And I'll, I'll tell you what's, what's building is the taste on, on the dark the, lager. The dark lager, man. The name of the beer is The Dark. Just in case people were, or if anyone's listening and going, well, what the hell is the name of that beer, Michael? You just keep talking about the dark dark. lager. It's the dark. Like, I don't want to get into a whole who's on first thing, but it is the dark. Third window in Santa Barbara. Yeah, if you can find their stuff, definitely get it. They they do a whole spectrum. I mean, you, you can get IPAs if you're into IPAs. They have great IPAs. They have this a dark lager, which I'm a huge fan of. A lot of sours. They're doing some sours right now. Oh, nice. Like great barrel-aged Flanders Red they had, which was amazing. Just like the European kind of sours that are kind of funky. That sour style, ooh, boy, I would. That's good. Oh, I'd run into traffic for that beer. It was so tasty. <laughs> They do share like a parking area and an outdoor seating area with a winery. Oh, nice. So if you happen to go there and you're with somebody that's like, I don't drink beer, I like wine, you know, Jack Spratt could eat no fat. Beer before wine, always fine. I know. I've never had a problem with it. I just put it all in. I'm like, put it all in and see what happens. I'll go to the same place. I know, exactly. It's just it's all hanging out. And I mean, we always say this, we're so thankful to breweries that, that support Sprint. us and, yeah. you know. Anyway, we're back to... Uh, George is going to go up, and he's fighting with the guys, and he's... Scientist. Trying... <laughs> the great thing... No backbones. <laughs> no. George is like, he's aggressive and angry, you know, but he's not like this physically imposing fellow, but he shows up, and he just wants to trash, he just shows up as a crazy person, just wants to trash the machine, and the dudes bail so fast, <laughs> and if I was their boss, I'd go, you're fired. <laughs> that machine costs a lot of money, and you just let that dork... With Come on. Yeah. And he really does a poor job of trashing. And they run off to a van. They jump in the van. The great thing is, George is like, tra- he tries to trash it. And then he goes, Hey, you can't leave me. Like, I don't have a ride. Which is <laughs> great. I just assaulted you. I'm trashing your work. And now I want a ride. I it, love that scene. It, oh, me <laughs> yes. too, dude. It cracked me up every time. They're like, We're not going to deal with this crazy guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's anti science. <laughs> It's it's where that line that has to deal with, like, unscientific things happen all the time. (laughs) Tell me, what unscientific thing that happens all the time? Oh, that loony came back from the dead. (laughs) 
I mean, I guess science could end up explaining that. Yeah. But actually, you know what? You're right. That would be. It was a scientific thing. The machine brought him back and attacked. You know that little system. little bit of the nervous system. So okay. Meanwhile, back at the chapel, the inspector has come and found like Craig's dead, torn apart. All these burned corpses. It looks. It looks bad. It does. It was the headstone that was shaped like a cross. It's broken, and the inspector's going, ah, why do they do that? You know, now I'm doing this horrible. I'm not even going to try it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but then there's another person. I don't know if he's a doctor. All of a sudden, he's in the scene. Uh, he's, he's got like, much more of a voice. He's a very a studious voice. Have you ever come across Satanists in your investigations? <laughs> because he's looking around. He's reading the tea leaves, and he yeah. goes, Satanists. Yeah, bodies are burned, bodies torn apart. Oh, broken cross. Uh, Satanists. Oh, and the inspector is just like, oh. I have my now, Satanist this checklist here. This city, it's all them. The city is coming to Southgate. Yeah. This is horrible. <laughs> my my cute little town. Because so, that new guy thinks it looks like a pretty typical Satanist case. I mean, that's words from his mouth. <laughs> typical Satanist. And, and the inspector's rules are shoot to kill. Oh, yeah. If you see this guy, shoot yeah. to kill. Do people give those orders anymore? I mean. I would hope not. <laughs> there might be a time if. But I, you don't do it just based on that. I think when they met, the inspector decided, I'm going to shoot this guy. Oh, I think so too. It's just a matter of time, yeah. which is a really yeah. horrible Your character. ticking, man. This is a horrible <laughs> character trait. <laughs> but the next thing I'm bothered by, because when we last seen Edna and George, George tells Edna to go and get the police. Her way of going to get to the police is to drive up back to Martin, Martin her sister and brother-in-law's house, because there was a police watching the house when there are people there. Why is a police still standing guard on their property? My feeling was sort of, quote-unquote, the murder scene. That was a crime scene. This is like out in the middle. Who's going to put on that crime scene? It's a crime scene. That's... That was guard crime scene. That was my yeah. You do. You don't want people messing with. Them. I mean, it was a, it was the it most was, realistic. No know. one can even find this house. <laughs> I'm, so. I'm with you. It's more disturbing to me that that's her idea. You don't go to a police station. Yeah. Go get the police. I'm gonna go to my sister's house. She goes. She finds the dude. We already know that Martin had killed the police that was there. And he's not in a good way anymore. She she finds the cop disemboweled, and then Martin attacks her. Yeah. And this is, it's weird because then she runs him over and it seems like he dies, but he doesn't. She runs his legs over and he ends up walking fine later because he comes back. That that was a little odd to me. Such a poorly written character because she leaves, she flees, she's been attacked. I understand being terrified. Just driving down the road, freaks out, puts her car in a ditch. It's so insulting to the character, the way they treat her. Because George, who's had to run from the ag people because they didn't give him a ride. She gets out of the car after putting in the ditch, and there's light. She thinks she sees Martin is coming to get her, and she just freaks out, screaming, but it's George. Just She's just weak, and it's just, ah. Uh, it is one problem I have with this movie. No, because the next her scene... Her character just is terrible. Because the next scene adds to it, too, because it's George. He gets her in the car, gets the car out of the ditch, they drive. They pull over to a petrol station, <laughs> and he pulls Kate, he pulls Edna out, and he yells at the women, the woman who runs the petrol station, and her daughter, saying, "Take care of Edna, and you know, call an ambulance for her." And he's like, "I'm gonna grab this paraffin, which we like to call kerosene, <laughs> and I'm gonna go back." And she's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, no, "Don't worry about this thing. You call the ambulance." I mean, just barking orders and stealing stuff. Yeah. And his goal is he's going to take that paraffin and go back to Martin and Katie's house and set Martin and the police officer who was killed on yeah. fire. The woman at the petrol station, she has this you know, adorable little daughter, and she's like, get her a drink. And the girl goes, and I, what, I what love the line. She's like, not wa- the vodka. Wa- water, not whiskey. <laughs> no, vodka. Is it it's vodka? Water? Yeah, water, not vodka. Oh, was it vodka? I thought she said whiskey. She does say vodka? I think so. Oh, okay. But yeah, because the girl immediately goes for the hooch. And she says, grab the water because she might not have any money. (laughs) (laughs) I think once again, they're trying to to run this balance of like rural versus city. And sometimes even the rural people are kind of, they're portrayed as being low class and dirty and kind of low in this scene. I'm like, why do they need to do that? Anyways, it's a trap for George because he shows back up. It's a trap. 
and, and, the, and the inspector comes out. He's like, I knew, you, I knew you'd be back. And I'm like, how would he know that? He's like, oh, you're going to come back and see your handiwork. I mean, it's like the worst police work ever. But there's nowhere to go in the town, so you're just, you're lucky. And he told him to stay, so yeah. George is going to stay. So, you know, and meanwhile, the machine is back up and running. And Martin was taken to, Martin South was taken back That's to Southgate. Great. And they're so, carrying him, and all of a sudden his eyes open, and he kind of looks around and he goes, Oh, I'm going like, to pretend to be dead. Nobody knows me. But when, like, even as an inspector, you could see that he's stubborn, and the rest of those officers are just going to fall in line. No one questions how Martin's body got from Southgate Hospital back to his house no one no they just assume satanist must have brought his i mean that's the only solution george and satanist must have brought the body back here that's what they do jason and now he's coming back they burn Uh, bodies tear them apart they just take bodies and leave them at places (laughs) because now george is like listen if martin's body shows back up there he goes there's other dead bodies there he'll be able to revive them which once again i don't understand that is so Why is, not the, is it the machine or, or is it the blood? Yeah. The blood of the living is supposed to do this. And Mr. Perkins, uh, Mr. Perkins is the guy, the psychologist. He seems I, to be something that works with the police. Yes. That's a lot about Satan. Well, because I, I kept watching and then I went, I got to write his name down. They show George, they're like, oh, here are the items you were going to sell to your friends. And these must be trinkets of the occult kind of deal. And what is this dude's role? I thought he was like a psychologist, like a guy from Law and Order. That they always consult for like a profiler type dude. You thought he might be a cop. Higher and, level than the inspector. But I, it's just confusing. He comes out of nowhere and starts sort of dictating things and filling in things. Like, oh, it might be this. I don't know if he's mad about apples. but <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not an apple guy. But the great thing is that George goes, this is when George... Pulls his yoink. Yeah. He goes to the bathroom and he's like, and he sees, oh, there's a window open. And he's like, I'm going to dry my face. And he takes the towel and throws yeah. it at the cop yeah. and jumps out the window and escapes. <laughs> so now he's going for Edna, goes back to the gas station. She had flipped, totally flipped out, and she's gone. They did what he had asked her to do. They called an ambulance on her. Yes. And he's upset that they did that. He's, Dude. He's a you know, jerk. You told us to do something, we did it. So he's calling the hospital, and, and, and he's saying, you know, get, you know, tell the doctor, you know, get him out of there. They're like, oh. and this woman, this is great because she's talking to a friend, and they're just talking about boys or something, yeah. and she can't be bothered with George. It's so annoyed. Meanwhile, he stole a cop car. The cops are coming for him. He goes, yeah, I gotta go. Leads them on this chase. They're going back to the hospital. This, the whole culmination of this movie ends at the Southgate Hospital because. Martin indeed revived these other zombies, and they're slowly making their way through the staff. Really close. You, you <laughs> notice how they walk in this tight formation? And they do. They do kind of walk like the, their knees don't bend. It's sort of this odd... But the know. makeup is great on them. Oh, the makeup is great. And they go, and it, it's gratuitous, like, boobage. Yeah. But they go, and they tear the operator yeah. apart, and they have to show some bare breasts. And in fact, I, th- I those aren't hers. Somewhere I came across a comment... About that scene where he purposely hired someone who was very flat-chested, so it could look like they're tearing open her chest. So all that is just makeup. Like it's another scene where, like, oh my gosh! Like in '74 to see that, I'd be like, whoa! It does. They have their vapors or something. There are these explosions of graphic violence, especially in the last half hour of this movie. And that's one of them. Now Katie is funny because she wants to see Edna. Edna flipped out. Yeah. Now Katie is sort of the sister who was like, I got to see my sister, and the doctor is going. Ah, that's a good idea. <laughs> he is the worst doctor. He, he, he doesn't even probably have a medical license. No, but at the same time, Jason, he was immediately curious about the machine. Yeah. So that's not bad. No, but he had a line when he saw that machine where I had to write down because he basically said something along the lines of, it's silly to work on a hypothesis. People would just laugh at us. Yes. And I'm thinking, we work on hypothesis all the time. <laughs> I think he's taking some of his own medicine. Yeah, he's taking Katie to see Edna. And, of course, the zombies catch them. Martin has woke up, killed some people, made some guys come back to life. So he's got a little pack. They're cruising around. And they corner Katie and and the doctor. Katie's in an elevator with the door closed, standing way too close to the gate, by the way. And the doctor grabs an axe. 
it is a smart move, but just like cuts a peck off of one of the zombies. And he gets his pretty bad because the zombie just takes the axe away, splits his dome open. I know. It's Meanwhile, cool. Martin's reaching through, strangling his wife. Edna is laying in bed. She's going, oh, man, this is such a bummer. And Katie walks in, and she's like, Katie, it's so good to see you. my sister. And her sister's a zombie now. So sometimes these zombies completely massacre a body where there's no way for it to come back to life. But in the case of Katie, all of a sudden she's back to life. She was behind that gated door, so Martin strangled her to death so they couldn't like eat her. But it still doesn't explain. The machine is now able to do like five miles. This is my guess. So the machine was able to revive her, and she's unspoiled. Well, that science sounds sound. In this world, <laughs> I think it does, Jason. It does. I really do. So Katie is now... A zombie. She's fighting her sister. She's stabbing her a bunch. Stabbing her. Edna's going, ow, ow, ow. It's like kind of a hilarious reaction. She gets up. She's escaping. And she's like, ah. And well, the rest of that zombie horde walks into the room. They only want to get her, apparently. There's nobody else in the hospital they but, want to get. Well, it does seem like Katie, Katie and Edna are the only patients in this it, it kind, it kind, yeah, the living ones, you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, George shows up, finds the you know operator torn apart, goes in, finds the doctor being eaten, and makes a little torch and like sets the dude on fire. And he goes up and he's like, "Man, I got to get Edna, Edna." The zombies were so fast everyone everyone else, but they she should have been ripped apart. She should have, but, but she's not. And George saves her. Nah, her eyes are red. She's a zombie, and he's just heartbroken because he just met this girl, and they had a good relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Things are so working well for He that shoves moment. her back into the burning room, mm -hmm. and it's sad, and then he turns, and the inspector and the cops are there, and the inspector just shoots an unarmed man, just mows him down. Without saying anything. There's Nothing, no Jason. police hands up or anything like that. I don't even know if in 1973 that's appropriate. And multiple shots, too. Multiple. Oh, you got to make sure. <laughs> I mean... Really great little line because the inspector says, you know, I wish the dead did come back to life so I could kill you again. Oh. You know, you shouldn't make wishes. And that's when we get the drive. He's driving with uh, Kingsley. Yeah. It's the next day. There's press in front of the hospital. He's leaving. Him and Kingsley are like, this has been a horrid affair for the police department. But They're they driving. seem sure happy, man. They do. They are just quite happy with how things have gone. Well, you know, justice has been justice has been a little slow in these parts with all the permissive rot going on in <laughs> Southgate. <laughs> and the inspector is just sort of happy. He's like, I hope I like sent a good message to all these people that that things are better. It's a better, better day, and I, I really do hope. And then, meanwhile, Kingsley's going on about this new contraption that's killing all the insects, and he's like, "Heard there's going to be a really great crop of apples this year." I'm mad about apples. <laughs> I, I love apples, but I just I'm mad about. And he, and he goes, oh, "Inspector, you going back home?" And he's like, "No, I've got a room at the inn. Yeah. I'm going to chill there for a bit." I think it's probably the owl. Too. Yeah. Oh, that. You know, how many places can there be in this little town? And so he goes back to his room, and we hear the heartbeat, the breathing. breathing, turns, and it's George. George is back, and he strangles him, kills him. That's what you get, bud. The end. Boom. Kind of a dark, heavy, depressing ending. Dark for sure. Depressing. I mean, George wasn't as likable as the man in, in Night of the Living Dead. If they would have ended it with George dying in that hallway and they would have cut the end right then, I would say this is exactly like Night of the Living Dead. I oh, think they added oh something I mean, there, there's extra. no escaping yeah. the comparisons, absolutely. But, I mean, it's a, it's kind of dystopic because, you know, you kind of think it's just the beginning. You know, you're going to take your dumb machine around and raise a bunch of hell. First five miles and ten miles. I know. And then it'll reach across the galaxy. <laughs> it's a heavy ending. And I'm okay with it because the inspector was kind of a jerk. He was. And so. George was kind of a jerk too. And oh, George he had this terrible jerk. Battle of this generational battle where he had extremes on both sides. Absolutely. And well, here's a question though. My question to you. Would you recommend this movie? I would recommend this movie. In particular, if you're a horror movie fan and particularly a zombie movie fan, I don't hear about this movie a lot. The first time I heard it was when you recommended it. It was in 74, a very early zombie movie, 
before all the zombie tropes were in place, and I thought they did a good job. Yeah, there's some weak characterization. You get a, a really neat zombie story. You have Arthur Kennedy, who he just soaks up this movie and the inspector and you really oh, he's great he's a ho- really horrible person terrible uh, and ray lovelock is great yeah, yeah i mean exactly. he is great as he, like the good looking i'm better than you because i'm from the city guy yes absolutely you know? and and edna she did what she could with yeah. the character i think you you are limited it's like you can do what you know you can do yeah. certain things when you're acting but i think you are also limited by how they draw the character up i wish they could have done a better job the cinematography is great in some beautiful areas yeah Yeah, the the sound the the score is cool it's a zombie sound is terrifying oh it is terrifying when you hear it and i sort of like when movies have that little you know there's like that little point that little that what what, indicator that indicator that oh oh i hear that so i know what's coming like the tingler you know (laughs) something like that but it's not as cheesy we talked about this where it's a strange movie because very much like the night of the living dead where there is some political overlays on that movie. The same thing with this movie where, as you point out, it has this environmental man versus nature. It also has this really clear rural versus city. You know, we discuss how George is this city guy. He clearly loves the rural countryside but at the same time, he's so dismissive of the people and things that are there. Yeah. And we talk about how like some people want to move. They want the best of both worlds. He wants to have his city, what he likes about the city, but he wants to have it in a rural setting. Because he's such a jerk to everybody who lives in that area. No, it's <laughs> it, it, it's the romantic romanticization of something like that's i think that's he sits in the city and he goes oh man that you know that pastoral it's like beautiful in that landscape and he goes out and he's going to be the guy who's complaining about bugs yes. complaining about you know there's oh my wife traffic lights my wife get my, my wi-fi right reception's <laughs> crappy out here you know you know what i mean yeah. it's like we need i want to bring all the things i like about the city out here but i really like the idea of the country you know what i mean that's that's kind of what what, what i get from it Least. would you recommend this uh, absolutely i think you know like you said zombie movie it's a 70s environmental disaster movie with the zombie movie is cool i like you know the acting is fun it's i do i recommend this i, I won't even get into it too much it's, i think it's a fun little movie to watch it's it, tightly paced it's like an hour and 30 minutes yeah. so it doesn't overstay its welcome you do have some laughs if you're a horror movie fan if you're a zombie movie fan you, this should be on your list absolutely. at some point if you're like me or like you, I'm going to try to go through every zombie movie that I can. And this is our second zombie movie because we covered children shouldn't play with dead things. And we decided that the in Messiah of Evil, those are ghouls, not zombies. So I think this that is was, yeah, that's an interesting one. I think we went back and forth and, and some people consider it zombies, but great that, special effects too. They really are. Yeah. I don't think it had a huge budget. They did yeah. what they could. 100% I'm recommending The Dark by Third Window Brewing Company. Once again, thank you for sponsoring. Yes, thank you so much, Third Window. We super, super grateful. Delicious. Yeah, this is such a good beer. Excellent. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I kind of got lost in the moment there. I was just sipping Sipping that beer, and I I was like, ah, good conversation. Thinking about back on sitting in Santa Barbara. (laughs) Yeah. When am I going back next? I don't know. So I guess that about wraps it up for today. I think so. Please like, subscribe, and comment wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And check out our website. This is Beer and Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael.